Hello everyone, it gives me great pleasure to speak to a phenomenal attorney at law and also one of my best friends, Emmanuel Rago. Emmanuel is a partner at Wilgen Luxembourg Law Firm and she also heads their data protection, intellectual property and technology, media and telecommunications practice group. Quite the portfolio, but not quite yet. She also heads the Wilgen for Innovation, which is a legal hub for startup businesses. And now she also heads Wilgen Art and Finance. There you go. Quite a lot in one package there. Emmanuel delivers training, speaks internationally, and she's quite the key player in the IP world. Welcome to the show, Emmanuel. Hello. Welcome. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Emmanuel. And I'm going to jump right in and ask you the first question, because for any of us who are not in the practice of law or who are not attorney at, attorneys at law ourselves, we wouldn't know the details of it. Can you tell us about your current role and tell us within that, what does heading the IP division entail? Right, of course. So it's... um. First of all, it's a technical role as an expert in intellectual property. Uh, you have to be sure, of course, to deliver um, a proper and a high level of excellence in terms of quality of work as a lawyer. That's the first part of the job. And the second part of the job, of course, is to um, manage your team because I'm heading a, the IP uh, TMT department with um, a team uh, of uh, five persons. And so you need to have a full collaboration and cooperation within the team. And you also have a, a role of developer in terms of uh, uh, business development. IP uh, means uh, work in relation to trademark, but also in relation to patent, but also in relation to design and model, copyright. And it's uh, on both ways um, advisory work, but also litigation work. That's it. Well, it did sound like quite a fair bit already. <laughs> but um, tell us also, Emmanuel, this uh, Wilgen is a law firm that is uh, centered in Luxembourg. Does it only deal with Luxembourg-based um, interests or does it deal with the greater region? Right. Okay. It's, um, Wilgen is a fully uh, independent law firm. So it uh, was established uh, nearly one century ago in in Luxembourg, even though we have uh, 16 uh, different nationalities internally. So, I mean, it's very international uh, law firms, independent based in Luxembourg. And uh, initially and historically, I mean, the, the founders of the firms were a bit uh, outsider in the market. So they had to, um, to seek and to grow uh, via international development. So, of course, we do advise and we are qualified as Atonet Law under Luxembourg Law. But we have the uh, ability, of course, to work with Luxembourg company as well as with international company based or having, you know, subsidiaries uh, in, in, uh, in, in Luxembourg, of course. And we also have the possibility and that we are very um, strong in to coordinate, to coordinate multi-jurisdictional, um, you know, matters uh, with correspondent in the different um, countries or jurisdiction within the EU or outside of the EU, bearing in mind that our stronger market, of course, is Europe, but also uh, the US um, and, and, uh, and Asian countries as well. 
Amazing. Now, um, Emmanuel, can you tell us why is the work that you do or your division does, why is it important? Uh, so on a, on a, I would say on a, on a macroeconomic um, perspective, I mean, I mean, IP, you know, it's always been for for long period of time, you know, underestimate. And now on the, with the digital economy and the importance of the IP asset, Uh, and uh, the fact that they are immaterial, but very uh, valuable, uh, intangible assets uh, for the company. Um, everyone uh, from the company and the CEO of the company, uh, the IP and the lawyers, as well as, I would say, a more broader uh, audience has understood that um, having a brand Uh, securing uh, the prior right on your copyright or on your ideas, on your trademarks, uh, developing research, uh, going through a patent. I mean, it, it's key to the development. It's key to uh, our international uh, economy. It's, it's the future. It's always been, you know, uh, the future of our economy. But the thing is that now, with the digital economy and so on, and all the disruptive uh, things happening in the current situation, uh, IP is at the core, uh, the core business of our economy uh, more than ever. I don't okay. know whether I was clear on that. Yes, so. of course, definitely. Like it just, you, you just shown it as like, a, you've pinned it into a very pivotal point. And uh, on a personal level, how did you end up in IP law? Was it something that you transitioned into? Did you educate yourself? Could you, in this same question, then tell us about your background, educational background in it? Yes, yeah, so it's a, it's a specialization, but uh, I would say I didn't start my uh, specialization in IP. I started with a, a more general um, training of litigator, strong, strong litigator and eloquence. Um, and I was educated uh, at the beginning of my profession by people, uh, would say old-fashioned people, who were sort of thinking that if you're good in law, you can specialize in anything you want. And then they didn't want me to, um, to sort of further be educated uh, as a specialized uh, person in IP. Uh, so I struggled hard. Uh, I left, um, you know, the law firm I was working um, in, um, you know, in, in, in this firm, you know, people were sort of uh, narrow-minded in my view. So I decided just to have a, a break and I, I left and I decided to go through an education program at uh, Strasbourg, the CEPI, the International Center of Study for the Intellectual Property, and to qualify in these matters. And I think it's very important, very important to have academic background as well as expertise and experience, but I don't think experience replaces um, academics and education. And I think it's a complementary thing. And I don't think there is any alternative to either academic or experience. Both are at the same level and necessary. And then through the um, LLM at the uh, University College of London, I've decided because I didn't have an um, uh, education on that in France to sort of... Uh, also um, understand the Anglo-Saxon uh, way uh, to, um, to deal with the uh, IP law, which is quite sort of different uh, of French law. I see. Well, you've 
you know, could you tell us as as you just started talking, you started talking about your education. How was how was Emmanuel the young lawyer? What made you excited as a very young lawyer? <laughs> well, it's um... not that I mean you're an older lawyer now. Please don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, I think I think you know I was. Um... I was lost in a way. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult question because, I mean, it's always uh, always seem easier after you've been sort of building something to sort of recreate a story and uh, sort of pretend that you are so enthusiastic about what you were doing, which is absolutely untrue. I mean, I was really motivated by working with uh, something which was sort of meaningful for me, that's for sure. And I think law was very meaningful for me. I think... It was in relation to uh, the ethics and the deontology of the profession. I think it's a huge profession. I think you meet, um, you know, clever and, and, you know, very faithful people. And that's the part of it that I really liked. In terms of specialization, I was really uh, attracted by criminal law. And I started by criminal law. Uh, and I, I really liked the challenges and the stress of the... Uh, you know, the public debate, the audience, the pressure of the judges, the pressure of the person in jail, the pressure of, you know, of the audience. Uh, but, you know, after a while, you know, I thought that for a woman, uh, I was not sort of anticipating to, to last long in the criminal law uh, things. But I kept the litigation as a strong tool for myself uh, and for the client. And then I sort of naturally, I would say, move forward to the IP because of my personal and familial background, I think. And that's also a sector where, you know, there was a, a strong discrimination and a strong, I would say, um, unbalanced things between people who knew about this sector and people, I would say, more socially or educationally um, grown up, I would say. Uh, or spoiled my, you know, uh, wealthy uh, social background. And I thought that was a, a, a sector where, you know, um, you could do something to to improve, you know, the level of fairness in, in at least in the identification of the of the of the rights of the people in relation to their creativity and their IP. Oh, I, I um, that's an amazing response, Emmanuel. I I'm I'm so looking forward to capturing every word of that. I've loved I love your honesty in in talking to us how it was right from the fact from your youthfulness entering the profession and reflecting on it the decisions you've made to reach where you are and also as much as you know you might not have thought it it's such a strong calling that comes from so many different things so familial background and also looking at what your own strengths are. Thank you for that answer. I'm, I'm very, um, how should I say, blown over by it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, over the years of friendship, of course, when we've talked and you've never mentioned names because it's always in confidence, but your work's interesting. Tell us a little bit more about what makes your work interesting. So I think, you know, uh, I, I mean, I earn with my team and I mean, my team is really part of, you know, on me and I, and I, you know, my work is their work. And uh, but I'm really sort of excited because, I mean, we have allocated ourselves and I've talked to, to, to carry on that 
that we need to brainstorm the clients. And I just love, you know, to be in front of people who are sort of 100% sure of what they're doing, you know, come with a little, you know, legal query and all of a sudden you sort of just open another discussion. So sort of saying, okay, well, your legal question is super minor in comparison to something that you haven't yet seen and that is going to come, you know, on either your business model or, or legal things which are sort of currently discussed at the U U level of the European Commission. And this freedom also and this sort of ability to challenge people and this sort of confidence um, that it builds, you know, you have super nice relationship with your clients because it's a, it's a level where you're not only a provider, you know, and I don't want to be seen as a provider. Uh, we are seen as, you know, friends and, and, and trustful friends in the development of their business. And that's super exciting. And we are also uh, very much ourselves challenged by people uh, who also think that we are super clever when we are not, for example, able to understand what they're doing. And when we need to ask them to repeat because we are not 100% sure that we understood perfectly, you know, when they, they talk about their sort of engineer background and that it's obvious that this app will do this and that, that and that they don't need to explain what they will do and everything. And of course, we need to sort of say, well, let's stop there, you know, you need to be explicit with us and so on. So there's intellectually a lot of things to to be really creative and, and very uh, interesting. What I also very much enjoy and, and the team also is very strong at, and that's probably one of the reasons why we also, um, I think we are ranked, you know, tier one in, in different uh, uh, international edition in terms of ranking in our specialty and, and locally as well. Um, it's also because of the, you know, the research and the quality of the research that we do, you know, legally speaking. Um, so the, the level of uh, quality and the excellence uh, which is required internally is super high. So um, so that's why we are, you know, tier one in our specialty, our department. I mean, my department is tier one, Ben one in two of the uh, major international publication uh, ranking uh, by country and by specialization uh, leading individuals. Is there anything you don't like? I don't like too uh, much spending time in figures. Um, so, you know, I'm happy to have an excellent uh, finance department for that. <laughs> yes, we all have to have one, one part of it, which is the pain point in all that we do, for sure. Um, I want to ask you what you would consider a success in terms of yourself professionally? Could you give us some insights? Uh, I think success is, um, you know, success for the client. Of course, you, you, know, you enjoy the success of your client. I have to say that um, what I have just described before leads us to have um, a currently uh, and, and since the last uh, seven, seven years already, uh, at least, um, I would say more than a 90%, um, you know, rate of success in our litigation, which is just amazing. Um, but it means what? It means that, first of all, we do not advise people to do litigation when they don't need to do it. So it means that we are not running after hourly fees and pushing our client to do litigation just for the sake of doing litigation. So we have alternative ways of creating a good solution for the client, 
when the litigation is a bit tricky. But also we are able, when we are defendant, to find the, you know, the proper procedural or weak point for the other party to be able to win the case. And of course, when we are applicant and we sort of uh, uh, advise our client to go for the litigation, then it means that we are 100% sure to, to win the case. So that's, that's you know, something which is really uh, rewarding, I would say, in terms of, uh, of uh, our our profession, but also the ability to be able to um, to be asked to be speaker to international conferences on new topics where, you know, some uh, of your colleagues would sort of say, well, we don't know that much uh, on this, so it's too early to speak on that. And I think, um, you know, we don't know, uh, we don't know a lot of things, but sometimes you have to position yourself and to think a bit uh, hard and, and to find a way to to express your view, even though you're not uh, 100% to be right, but at least uh, it makes you, uh, you know, still improve your ability to to understand new things in this uh, in this world. So we have the chance to have a, a job and a profession where nothing is really repetitive. And uh, at a certain level, um, depending on how you work, uh, you, I think you sort of val valorize uh, the knowledge of the, the team, you valorize their research, but you're also able to valorize their, their, creativity, their creativity and their agility uh, in their mind. So I we're mean, very lucky. From the way you're speaking, you obviously enjoy being a team player quite a fair bit. That comes through very clearly and you've really enjoyed working with your team and managing them, is that something that you particularly like in what you do? Oh well, yes, I mean, I mean, uh, you can, uh, I mean, uh, you have to be really uh, cautious about the fact that uh, when you lead a team of five person dedicated to IP full time and TNT, when you lead a team of eight person only on uh, innovation for startup business with different profile, because then. It's people who are doing corporate tax employment that I'm, you know, managing. Um, you, you cannot just be uh, seen or yourself uh, as a diva uh, and so on. I mean, you build things just because you've been sort of able to uh, avoid conflicts in your team and, and makes it work on a day-to-day -day, uh, uh, basis and not only uh, when it needs to be uh, because there's a lot of stress. So... On a day-to-day -day basis, I believe strongly that we need to have pleasure to work together. And of course, the team could be different uh, with other people and so on, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a team game. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, I've never seen myself as a diva, uh, you know, in what I'm doing. Well, you definitely are not. That, that I can assure you. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what you do under the innovation banner at work? So for the innovation, what we're doing, we are strongly supporting the um, ecosystem uh, in, in, the, in Luxembourg. So it means what? It means that uh, uh, we have set up a, a team, a dedicated team. Uh, we have uh, entered into different partnership with all the incubators in, uh, in Luxembourg, you know, either public or, or private. And so concretely, we do a lot of uh, legal services for, for free, meaning pro bono. Uh, to a certain level, I mean, to a certain extent, but also we are able uh, to um, to organize, you know, events like a CEOs on the startup, uh, you know, at our premises. Um, we do have, uh, which creates a network among themselves and between themselves. We are also able to uh, 
uh, introduce people to each other. Sometimes there's a project with a fundraising where we know uh, someone who can be interested, then we do that. Uh, we are also very active um, in uh, in the, in the promotion of the, um, it's not really innovation, I wouldn't put that under innovation, but on the sort of uh, uh, woman thing. So we have a team of Vision for Women, which I'm part of it, and I have forgotten to mention that, but uh, um, so I also play a role on that. But uh, so it's... Uh, being a sort of uh, 100% sure that diversity is always taken into consideration in the project, of course. Um, so we do a lot. And I, I think, you know, it would be long to, to have a list of things. But what is very important, I think, to to bear in mind is that we started with this desk uh, three or four years ago. And at the beginning, we were sort of seeing people with ideas and then people with uh, need to incorporation. And this year we've been doing more than uh, than several uh, fundraising, uh, you know, above one million. And uh, two months ago we uh, we sort of participated uh, strongly. I would say we were. I mean, there were only two law firms, and uh, we were one of them uh, to the consolidation of the one of the legal le leading European uh, group of cybersecurity uh, now in Luxembourg. So uh, there was a private uh, Portuguese uh, private equity fund who was uh, targeting someone in a company in Luxembourg and we were the advisor of the Luxembourg target. So we've been sort of, you know, preparing the commercial deal as well as the corporate, uh, you know, documentation and so on. So it's, uh, you know, several million of, um, you know, acquisition consolidation. So I think we have shown and I think Luxembourg also is showing that, um, it's not only a word of having a, a startup ecosystem, uh, but we can create <coughs> we can create not only a incorporation economical uh, project uh, interesting, but also at a European level, uh, we are now able uh, to have the first uh, one of the first uh, leading group on the cyber security in Luxembourg. So it's not only a you know small startup business, but uh, uh, through the process we can consolidate. Uh, startup and have a, a growth uh, which is very important in in three years and it's um, grown quite fast yeah fast fast but i mean it was they were lucky but we can also speak about uh, you know project which uh, didn't work at all so i mean there's always a good and, and bad project there's always the con which uh, actually yeah. brings me to the question where i was going to ask you an overall and I ask this to everyone that we interview on the show. It's what do you consider a failure? Because just as much as you talk about successes, it's important for us to learn from what you consider a failure. Failure. Um, I don't know. I mean, failure. Yeah, of course, I've experienced what I, I mean, when I sort of went through, I probably thought it was a failure. But I mean, thinking about I mean, nothing really relevant will sort of occur to my mind, except that, uh, you know, you learn from your failure. So after all, you know, what is a failure if you learn from it? Uh, it's not a failure anymore. Um, but I uh, would say, you know, what is more disappointing, I think, it's, uh, it's, it's more when, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you, you're on a strong, um, you know, long-term relationship and, and you anticipate on project or, or things which might sort of go um, on a wrong direction. 
and you sort of you know uh, draws the attention of people and so on and and they, they have you know sometimes they don't have their sort of uh, minded open enough uh, to listen and to involve their lawyers um, you know, sufficiently early that's a bit it's not a failure for me it's just disappointing you know it's just sometimes you sort of say that you know why do people, you know, sort of fear so much their lawyer in Europe or think it's going to cost them a harm? <laughs> I suppose it's just, hmm? it's yeah, just a preconception. To, hmm? Yeah, to, to prevent them to, you know, to be assisted from the beginning, you know, just to avoid them to sort of be in a strange situation where, you know, sometimes it's just too late. And it's not mm. only about litigation. It's just about, you know, how you build your own project. Um, and uh, that's 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 something which is not a failure, but it's sometimes very disappointing. Hmm. Emmanuel, we've talked a fair bit about you and how you've gone on professionally and the many aspects to you as a person, obviously, besides your job. I know you're very strongly linked to your family and you're a very big presence and player in the whole setup. Um, and on the hobby side, I know you're very in invested and interested in the art scene. Can you tell us about how you're involved with it? I know you come from a family of artists. How has this influenced you? How do you contribute? Could you take a few minutes to talk to us about it? Um, yes, as you said, I mean, art has been uh, always uh, has been always a part of my life, you know, since I, I born. So uh, it's difficult to to sort of identify precisely the role that it still has. But I mean, personally, I mean, I could you know spend you know um, days and and you know months in a row to go to the movie and so on. So I'm never fed up with art, um, and so I sort of. Uh, decided to get more involved, not as a decision, uh, you know, a rational decision, but I really, you know, fell in love with, um, for me, what is very, very major currently in Luxembourg and, and in Europe, it's uh, contemporary dance. So um, I go very often and I see, you know, a lot of things on that. Um, and I've been sort of writing reviews, um, you know, for, for a weekly uh, magazine here in Luxembourg called uh, Letterburger Land. Um, in in French, I mean me writing in French, but the the, the magazine is not itself in, in in French. But uh, um, so review on the contemporary um, scene in Luxembourg, which for for people who know that Luxembourg has uh, been taking a, a sort of significant part in the co-production, financial co-production of the contemporary uh, creation in Europe. Um, which give us the possibility to see, you know, amazing uh, world premiere here in Luxembourg. And so, again, we are very spoiled, but uh, writing, um, writing on the emotion that uh, dance can sort of provoke and having a, uh, you know, a, a glance and having an analysis of what's the message behind. And, uh, you know, if you've got sort of references uh, um or, or or yeah references to implicit references to movies or to a theater you know i think it's 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 super interesting oh that's amazing i know you were always my inspiration to keep watching all the movies that were out there you always knew all the new things that were happening but um it's lovely to see the pursuing of your career you know, enjoying your family and also having a hobby that you can be passionate about. Uh, 
As we draw the interview to a close, Emmanuel, I ask this of you. If there was one bit of advice that you would share with our listeners, what would it be? An advice, okay. Well, my advice is um, just just don't give up. I love this song anyway of Peter Gabriel as well and Kat Bush. But, uh, you know, so either my advice is to re-listen to Don't Give Up <laughs> and to Don't Give Up as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's my well, message. <laughs> you suddenly made the sales of his particular album go up now by just saying this. <laughs> Emmanuel, it was such a joy to speak to you. I love having learned new things about you through this interview and I'm sure the listeners are going to be super psyched to hear all the great things you've done um, I'll have your contact details for anyone who's interested to get in touch with you be it about the practice of law or about dabbling in the art scene I thank you Emmanuel I wish you a great rest of the day thank you thank you Sam thank you a lot